This is the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Welcome back to the third episode of the First Lady Podcast here on Detroit Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Jones, and I've got to be honest with you guys. I have had the week from hell. Do you ever have one of those weeks where it just seems like it's never, ever, ever going to end and Murphy's Law kicks into effect and you just shake your head and go, Really, universe? Could you throw one more thing at me? And then it does, but it throws in 10 more things? Yeah, I've had one of those weeks. So bear with me here because I'm so excited to kick off this weekend finally with you guys here on the show. And one of those things, to be quite honest with you, that got me even more fired up when I thought I couldn't get any more fired up was with this madness that is happening within the NFL. I was seeing the story come out about Ray Rice. I'm seeing the story come out about Ezekiel Elliott. And so now I have to sit here and have this back and forth weigh the pros and cons situation between these two stories, because in my opinion, it's both complete polar opposite ends of the spectrum as far as where leagues should step in and where leagues shouldn't step in with punishing their players and potentially allowing players back into the league. So to kick it off first with this Ray Rice situation, in case you're new to sports and aren't aware... Baltimore Ravens running back Ray Rice had a huge, huge issue happen where he was with his fiance in an elevator. He decks the girl, knocks her out. There was potentially going to be lawsuits. The lawsuits were then dropped. And the guy has not played a down in the NFL since 2013, late 2013. So he lost his job. That part was not a shock to anybody. But this new story has broken where he's now trying to get back into the league. This part's not new, but this new part is the fact that he would like to donate his entire 2016 salary to organizations and programs that focus on domestic violence education and prevention, including supporting families and people who are victims of domestic violence in exchange for a chance to get back into the league. So he's basically saying any team that's going to take a chance on him, he's going to donate that salary to all of these charities. Okay. Congratulations, Ray Rice. You were the world's biggest douchebag knocking your lady out in an elevator. And so we're all just supposed to welcome you in with open arms. Is that what I'm understanding? Is this what I'm understanding? Is that basically you're saying that you're going to get a free pass. And because you're so good with all these charities that you already are contributing to that you just want to make the universe that much better by helping out with these charities. Well, I'm here to tell you, I'm not buying it. I really appreciate the back effort that I feel like he's trying to put in with this league by saying, okay, what's most important to me is ending my career on a high note, giving back to the Ravens fans or any other football fans that followed my career for the way that they did. And this is me saying, I want to make it right. I appreciate that part of it for what it is. But here's where I stand with this. I wrote an article back when this first happened in 2013 as a victim of domestic violence. I am someone who has lived with an older man who decided that it was okay to, whenever he would like to, put his hands on me, sexually abuse me, and belittle me to a point where I was such a fraction of a human being, I didn't know who I was anymore. And I wrote the article in worry for Janae Palmer Rice because I, too, stuck around longer than I probably should have. I, too, 
decided to forgive the person who did these wrongs to me. And it wasn't right away, but down the road, he did continue to do these things that he promised and said that he was going to get help for to prevent doing again. Now, I understand that Ray Rice has went through the proper protocols to hopefully and potentially get the help he needs. He seeked counseling. He's went through all kinds of therapy programs. And I would like to think and hope that Ray Rice is not the man he was that day in the elevator. But where does the league draw the line and say, we're not going to let someone like this back in? Do they need to draw a line and say, we shouldn't let somebody back in? As a man, I think that I can understand the aspect of wanting to say, I want to bring my pride and ego back into this, and I want to give myself another chance to prove to myself I can do this. But as the woman who's been through domestic violence and has put on the brave face and said, I'm going to stand by my man and I believe he's changed, I worry that there is a chance he has not changed. Should we give him the opportunity to do the same things he's done again in a public eye? Because I can tell you as someone as someone who has children in my life, not my own children, but children in my life, I don't want to see a face like Ray Rice on my TV where I have to explain, well, little Johnny, Mr. Ray Rice did a very, very bad thing. He hurt another human being and we let him go from his job because he needed to pay for that consequence. But it's okay because time forgives all and you're allowed to pick up the pieces and go back out and do what you were doing before as if nothing ever happened. I don't think that sends a good message to children. I don't think it sends a good message to players within the league. And I certainly don't think it sets a good precedence for what this league is going to be because of these instances like we're seeing with Ezekiel Elliott. And I'll get to that in a minute. Like these instances with Le'Veon Bell that I'm going to get to in just a little bit here. We are seeing so many issues and this is not a Ray Rice exclusive incident. There have been so many domestic violence stories, especially in the last two years, coming out since this video did, that just prove that this is a league-wide issue. Does it really take a video to incriminate someone for everybody to turn their heads and say, this is a major issue? Because one in nine women in their lives will be a victim of domestic violence. So let's go ahead and stack that odds up against the number of players in the league. You cannot tell me that Ray Rice is the only person who was in the league who did this because, number one, there's the evidence to back it up with the past civil court cases. But there is also the fact that statistically there are people still within the league that are abusing their wives, their girlfriends, their children. Adrian Peterson. Let's let a guy like him go for a little bit. Now, that's not domestic violence. That's considered to be child abuse. But when we see these issues within the league... Do we have to set the bigger precedence and the stronger tone and say one and done when an incident like this, when an incident like this happens, excuse me, should we allow players back in the league? I'm going to take the strong stance now and say, absolutely not. Do I think you should never be allowed to have another job in your life? Because I know that there are people on Twitter that are going to be throwing that at me now. Are you saying this guy should never be employed again in his life? This was his career. If this happened to you or I, we would be allowed to have our jobs. Well, I disagree with that because I know people who have had their jobs taken away from them because they were charged on domestic violence. I personally, if I found out that an employee of mine were to be charged with a domestic violence issue, if there was even suspicions of domestic violence, I don't want that person in my work environment because as far as I'm concerned, it's toxic and it sets a bad example. 
Similarly, I feel very, very strongly that the NFL should step up, set an example, and make their mark and say, no, no team should bring him back in. The NFL should make a rule that should say, you're not allowed even back in the league. This shouldn't even be a possibility. But we have to make it a possibility now because there are no laws in place. There are no rules within the NFL in place. And so I have to sit back and go, what would I do as a Lions fan if my team decided to pick up Ray Rice? What if they bite that bait? In all reality, he's not worth a lot of money. He's probably going to go for the league minimum. So right around $885,000, the Lions could afford it. What if my team picked up Ray Rice? Do I as a fan have to then step up and try to make my mark that way? Do I have to choose to not attend the games, to not watch the games? Do I have to choose to not be a fan anymore because I don't want to support this? I really hope I don't have to make that decision. I hope it doesn't come to that, but it's something that I have to consider. And so at the end of the day, I have to hope that these teams will have the common sense to say, if you've done it once, there's always a chance you're going to do it again. And we understand forgiveness and maybe we'll hire you on as someone who will help out on the staff, someone who will help run plays. Maybe it's somebody who's going to help with in the NFL to prevent these issues from happening in the future. If you truly want to prove that you've changed, I think there are other ways than being a public figure in the eyes of the NFL that you have the chance to do that. And that's what I'm going to say on that, because here's the other side of the coin. Ezekiel Elliott reported that, well, I'm sorry, TMZ reported that Cowboys rookie Ezekiel Elliott had these domestic violence charges potentially being brought against him because his girlfriend, Tiffany Thompson, said that she was assaulted last night. And how did she say that exactly? Oh, yeah, the mature way, not by calling the police, not by calling Ezekiel's family, friends, coaches, by going to Instagram and just posting pictures of bruises and tagging Ezekiel Elliott on Instagram. How mature, Tiffany. Let's all take you seriously. Because I can say, again, as a victim of domestic violence, if something like this happens to you, it only goes one of two ways. You immediately call the police, you call proper authorities, you file a police report, you're calling every friend, family, coworker, and saying somebody do something to stop this monster, or you sit back quietly in fear. The only reason you would take to social media is to get attention. So Ezekiel Elliott is claiming that he has text messages to prove that he's being set up. And I guess we'll have to wait and see where that's going to go, if there's actually going to be text messages that come forward, if he'll go ahead and try to sue her for defamation, for things like that. But at the end of the day, this brings the other side of the spectrum, which is, should the league step in at all? Because nothing has been proven that Ezekiel Elliott actually assaulted his girlfriend, okay? I can take pictures of a bruise that I got by running into the side of my desk at work and say that somebody hit me. That's not enough proof to incriminate someone. And especially with this Ray Rice situation and women around the league seeing what kind of attention this gets as a girlfriend, as a wife, as a fiancé, maybe the relationship is on some rocks. So maybe you want to try to make sure that because you've been an invested girlfriend for a certain period of time, you're going to now get a paycheck. You're going to now get some publicity. I can see that side of the of the coin. And why not? Why wouldn't these girls after this Janae Palmer Rice situation try to get a little publicity out of it? Get a book deal. Get a new job where you can go and speak publicly about what happened to you allegedly. I'm not buying into this story specifically, but it does bring along the other side of the conversation. Should the league wait to punish players until there has been criminal charges 
and convictions being proven to be true. That's the emphasis there. An actual conviction, someone being charged on domestic violence, being charged on child abuse, being charged for possession of drugs. Or should we just go straight to the suspension like the Adrian Peterson situation? We don't wait for a conviction. We don't wait for charges. We're just going to suspend you now to deal with it. I think this Ezekiel Elliott situation is a perfect example why we should wait for the law to step in because I personally, as of right now, my gut's telling me this chick's probably in it for the media. She's probably in it to try to get some attention and get the feel-good stories and she's got some sort of ulterior motive, whatever that may be. And I truly do feel sorry if that's not the case, but I don't think that someone who's in a domestic violence situation would take to social media to try to get the attention that she needs. That being said. I hope that Ezekiel Elliott stays calm and relies on all of his resources to back him up through all of this because it's going to get messy for a while. I hope that the Cowboys take their due diligence and spend a little patience throughout this whole process as things try to pan out and, you know, we see whether there are actually charges brought against him. But at the end of the day, I think that what needs to happen within the NFL, within Major League Baseball, within the NBA, and with every other major sports organization is there needs to be a cut-and-dry policy for what's going to happen in any circumstance. I brought it up last week when I was talking about the Tigers and in this Anthony Ghost situation. It is so reckless for leagues to continue to just wait for events to arise to try to figure out how they're going to or not punish players. It needs to happen within the NFL. We need to have cut and dry policies for what happens if there's a domestic violence charge? What happens if there's a domestic violence allegation? What happens if someone misses a drug test? We have some rules on that, but the suspension thing can get a little bit gray. There needs to be more specific details. What happens if someone in Major League Baseball is mouthing off to a coach? What happens if they then don't show up to their next game or practice? These things all need to be so cut and dry as much as they can be. So that when these situations arise, we know what to expect. We know what happened with this Ray Rice situation and how the league was trying to hurry up and come up with all these rules and what they were going to do and what they could or could not legally do. How does it take an instance like this happening to get to that point? Why do we now, three years nearly since this has happened, still have to have this conversation? Who needs to start the conversation? Because the commissioner is not doing it. The teams aren't doing it. The fans certainly aren't doing it. Who's going to step up to the plate and say something's got to change? I hope it doesn't have to be the fans to the point to where Ray Rice is picked up by a team and we do have to sit here and go, am I going to support my team, whoever this team happens to be? I hope it doesn't come to the point where that team lets Ray Rice get back on the field and then we find out that behind closed doors, he's still beating up on his wife or he beats up on another guy on the field so bad that he can't play anymore. But those are all possibilities. I'll take it back to what happens if my Lions pick him up? What happens if he's here in Detroit? Are you, the fans on the street, going to sit by quietly and say, hello, Mr. Rice, how you doing? Or are you going to walk by and flip him off and say, hey, I think you're a real piece of you-know-what for doing what you did to your wife? Because I know which side of the fence I'm going to be on. I am not going to be the happy, calm fan that, ooh, hey, we snagged this guy who used to have a little talent and hopefully he still does, but he's three years removed from the league, so I guess we'll have to wait and see. That's not going to be my M.O. I'm not going to sit back and quietly say at the games that I'm going to be happy when he comes on the field because you know right now, fans, that when he does and if he does take the field as a player, he will be booed to no end. 
I don't care what team is going to pretend that they're happy that he's on there. At the end of the day, he will be booed. He'll be booed from home. He'll be booed on the field. And the reception's probably going to be a little bit rough. So let's take that then to a PR standpoint. I don't know if the teams are really going to want to risk this in all reality for the kind of bad PR this could possibly get. They would really have to have a talented PR person to spin this in a way where I think that it's going to be a positive or anybody thinks it's going to be a positive. But the reality of it is it's not going to be a positive. He's not going to be an asset. He's probably not been doing the workouts that he should have been doing for the last three years. He's focusing on building his public image for this day. And I hate to say it, but I really, really hope it was for no reason. I would love to see him continue to be a public advocate for domestic violence. Like I said, I truly believe that if he has changed, he has gone through these proper protocols and he is a changed man, his heart should be in continuing to build awareness for how to stop this chain of violence. It should continue to be creating all of these different charities and donating to these charities to continue to have an outlet and a resource for the people who were victims of domestic violence, like his wife. That should be your outlet. Work a normal day job, work for a nonprofit, go ahead, make your difference, make your change. I don't think it belongs in the NFL. Stephen Frazier, thank you so much for calling. You're on with Jen on the Detroit Sports Podcast Network. Ray Rice is a whole different thing. He, yes, he got suspended. Yes, he, he could still get back into the league. The union is trying to fight that. Uh, I mean, and when you got Tony Dungy Brown in his corner, I mean, I, I really think he should just get like a third chance. I think the fans will come around. You know, yeah, he'll get booed. And I'm, you know, and I don't know how the females will do. I think they'll boo him. But I think we need him on the team. We need a running back. And, you know, let's see what he can do on the field. Now, will he relapse? No, I don't think he's going to relapse. I think I think his wife will leave him if he does it again. And I would hope so. Steve, great call. Thanks for calling in, man. You know, I hope Steve's right. I hope that if a team does pick him up, he doesn't relapse. I hope that he gets to continue to be the player he was before. But there are so many hypotheticals within that whole situation that I just don't know if it's worthwhile. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, I'm going to hit one more hard issue within the NFL right now. And that is this Le'Veon Bell story and his missing drug test. We'll be back. Detroit, has it not been the hottest it has been since you remember this week? I can hardly even stand just walking to my car to get the AC on. And now we've got wedding season coming up. We've got important outdoor meetings coming up. What are you going to wear? I vote LH Wear. Their dry fit wick away material is going to keep you sweat free. Those underarm pit stains, they're going to be gone for you. Don't even worry about it. All you have to do is go to LHWear.com to get your 15% off discount by using promo code DSP. Just head on over to LHWEAR.com, promo code DSP for 15% off. Lawrence Hunt Fashion, breathable, sweatproof performance. You are back with the First Lady Podcast here on Detroit Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Jenna Jones. And I had mentioned it heading into the break. This Le'Veon Bell situation's got me a little bit puzzled because as you remember, 
He already has had some drug instances, and here we are again. Steelers running back Le'Veon Bell is facing a four-game suspension for what? Missing his drug test. Yeah, he can miss the first four games of the season, and it's still in the appeals process. But if this goes through, he will miss the first four games of the season. Now, I had to do a little bit of research on this because I wasn't exactly sure what the protocol was as far as the NFLPA's policy program was, as far as substance abuse and drug policies, because I wasn't sure if this four-game suspension was the next step as a result of what happened last season or if this was something that was a first step for missing a drug test. But what I found out was after he was forced to sit out for the first two games of last season for violating the substance abuse policy, that's basically wiped clean. This is now a completely different set of instances where he has to go to Appendix E of the NFLPA policy and program of substance abuse. And this does clearly state that it's a four-game suspension. But I wanted to read a little bit of verbiage from this because I think this will really help us understand where the league expects players to go from here and what they expect from players. So unless a warning is issued, the first time a player fails to appear for testing, he will be fined up to $25,000 on his NFL player contract and will be placed in the intervention program. A second Failure to appear for testing results in a fine of two seventeenths of paragraph five amount in his NFL player contract. And a third violation will result in a four game suspension without pay. Now, if I'm understanding this correctly and they're not skipping steps here, which they shouldn't be allowed to do because of the NFLPA policy, this means this is not Le'Veon Bell's first instance of missing a drug test. This is his third instance of missing an NFL drug test. Now, mind you, this is another thing that I was not aware of. The league does not test players for substances such as marijuana during the actual play of the NFL season. It's strictly from April 20th through August 9th. Now, as a player within the NFL, especially a player within the NFL who has had issues with marijuana use in the past... If you really need to get your buzz on, don't you think you can wait for regular season? I don't care if it's medical or marijuana. At this point, you know you've got one drug test you got to pass throughout the summer, okay? And they don't just spring this on you for the record in case you weren't aware of that. The NFL players medical, I'm sorry, the NFL medical teams have to set up an appointment, call you and confirm over the phone with you that you will be at that appointment or it's never officially set. So that means that he was contacted at some point and said, I will be here on this date. Now, put it on your calendar. Have Siri call and remind you, I don't care what the hell you have to do. If you already know you're in trouble with the league for getting suspended for possession of marijuana, and now evidently what looks like you've missed not one, not two, but three drug tests, don't you think you'd have a little more ambition to want to stay in the league and maybe just show up to your drug test? Because my other understanding is there's less of a punishment if you fail your drug test than there is if you just don't show up because that leaves them to assume a million other possibilities. I can understand that from a league standpoint, but this goes back to my last conversation. Congratulations to the NFLPA. They have this policy program set up and all the verbiage is there for players to see whenever they want. You and I can Google up the policies whenever we want. There's forms within that policy that you can write out as an NFL player and submit it for exceptions. So let's say Granny ends up in the hospital and you're not going to be able to make your drug test. If you call and confirm with the agency, they're usually willing to reschedule a date for you. 
So there is quite literally no excuse for Le'Veon Bell to miss this medical exam. There is no reason for him not to have went in and taken the drug test. There is no reason for him not to have passed that drug test unless there's something that he had to hide. So I go this back. This is bad. It's so bad. It's so bad. And I don't know where the league draws the line anymore. Because if it were me and I'm the Steelers and this is now the third time he's missed a drug test, evidently, I'm just going based off of the NFLPA's verbiage here, okay? I don't know. I've not seen any other reports and they, quite frankly, don't have to disclose those reports. But based on the suspension that he's potentially being given, this would lead me to believe this is his third occurrence. I'm cutting that guy loose. If I'm the Steelers, I'm cutting Le'Veon Bell loose and I'm saying, dude, you want to go smoke your pot and go be Cheech and Shong in Denver? Go be Cheech and Shong in Denver. But we don't have time for that here on the Steelers. Oh, no! Go to where you belong. Go smoke your legal marijuana and get off my field because we're all here to play soberly in our right state of minds. And I don't care about the medical marijuana recreational blah, blah, blah. You're all going to throw at me because quite frankly, I'll put this out there too. I am a huge advocate for medical marijuana. I think it should be legal. But until the league makes it legal, until the law makes it legal nationally, we shouldn't even be having this conversation. Le'Veon Bell should be cut from the Steelers period. What? Get him out. I don't have time for guys that are going to be messing around with drugs and doing whatever they're doing behind closed doors because whether it's smoking marijuana or beating up on their wives, if you got stuff that's behind closed doors that's going to now come into the light and affect how my team looks and affect how my team plays, I got a problem with it. I got a problem with it as a sports fan. I got a problem with it as a business owner, as someone who could potentially have someone like that employed for me. I don't have time for that. I say they got to get him out of here, period. And if I'm wrong, go ahead, hit me up on Twitter at Detroit Jenna and tell me how wrong I am because I would love to argue with anybody who has something to say on this. But as far as I'm concerned, this is beyond three strikes you're out. This guy has no business being on the field anymore. And speaking of Colorado, I got to share this story really quickly because I saw this on BroBible.com. My buddy Brandon actually wrote this article. And evidently, Le'Veon Bell is not the only one messing around with a little THC, possibly, because east of Denver, there's this city called Hugo, Colorado. There's only like 750 people there. By the way, marijuana shops also not allowed in Hugo, Colorado. But someone mysteriously was tampering with one of the five main wells that supplies water to this town of mm, 750-ish people, 100 miles southeast of Denver. And there is THC testing positive in the water lines. So hey, anybody who's out in Colorado wants to get a little buzz, just drink the water, okay? Maybe let's send Le'Veon Bell out there so he can go get a little uh, THC buzz before he goes and takes his drug test. Don't drink the water, Le'Veon Bell, or you'll fail. So anyway, I just found that really interesting. And that was from my buddy Brandon on Bro Bible. So at the end of the day, Wiz Khalifa, Cheech and Chong, Le'Veon Bell, head to Denver. We don't need you here. Rio is just one more piece of this messy little puzzle that has been my week. I actually had the pleasure of texting with a certain golf player who will be at the Olympics. And I'll go ahead and leave him anonymous because I didn't have permission to tell this story. But I was asking his opinion on what's going to be happening there in Rio Rio de Janeiro. Because as someone who is a good friend of his, I was concerned for his safety, not only with this Zika virus scare that we all have heard about at this point, but 
now the terrorist threats and the arrests that are being made and leak and link to potential plotting terror incidences here at the Olympics. But there's budgeting issues. So now we don't even know how long the police enforcement will be able to be there on site, if at all. We have major issues with just basic security in the door, not even just the police forces, but just the basic security, making sure that every everyday fans don't have knives, guns, whatnot. I asked him, are you worried as a player? And he said to me, of course I am. Of course I am because I'm putting my life on the line. What if I don't come home to my family? What if I can never play golf again? That's something I have to think about as a player, he said, but I chose this profession to pour my heart and soul into my game. And if I don't go represent my country in the Olympics, why am I here? I'm letting down my country. I'm letting down my fans. And if I don't want to make that sacrifice, I have no business being within this sport. And I respect that. I respect the hell out of that. But I'm someone who doesn't typically watch the Summer Olympics. And you can call me out on that. That's fine. I'll take it. I don't really remember watching the Olympics growing up. I certainly haven't watched it in my adult years. And I don't know if that's just because of a lack of interest or because I know all of the controversies that continue to surround the Olympics over the last 10 years. And I feel like every single year, this gets worse and worse to the point where I've had no interest in even watching. So I actually threw it out on Twitter last night because I just was a little bit concerned as to whether people were even going to tune into the Olympics this summer. You know, should I let my friend take this risk and go perform in Rio de Janeiro if no one's going to really give a rip? Because I don't. And I'll, I'll watch golf to watch my friend, but that's about where I draw the line. So people had a lot to say, actually, and I was a little bit surprised by this. I threw it out on Twitter at Detroit Jenna. Do you watch any Olympic events? If yes, which? If no, why? And I had a really alarming amount of responses. Mr. Irrelevant at Matt Elliott 9 on Twitter said, women's Swedish curling team for obvious reasons. Okay, I can respect that. But then there was guys like E, E Devil 15 on Twitter that said, basketball, soccer, track and field, gymnastics, swimming, a lot of them. And his response surprised me because in all reality, like I said, I can't even remember the last time I tuned into any summer games. Occasionally, I'll watch the Winter Olympics just because a friend of mine from the UP, Nick Baumgartner, is an Olympic snowboarder. So I love watching him compete. I worked for him for a year or so as his assistant. So I will be watching in the winter. But as far as like watching swimming, as far as watching Olympic basketball, I don't really see a huge draw. And if there is a huge draw that I'm missing, feel free to shoot me a tweet. But everybody else on Twitter had so many different various points. And I don't know if it's just based on their personal interest in sports. But okay, Bikini Beach Volleyball, Beardy McBeard face on Twitter just tweeted me. Yes, I love watching women's beach volleyball. Why? Because beautiful bikini chicks. Okay, I'll let you have that one. But do you want those beautiful bikini chicks going to Rio de Janeiro and potentially getting decapitated by a bomber that goes in there because security is lax? Eh, I don't know. I think I'd rather just go to my local beach and watch some bikini chicks play volleyball. I don't know if the risk outweighs the reward or if the reward outweighs the risk in the situations. Because I understand the Olympics have been around literally forever. Centuries. Is it worth it? Should we wait a longer period of time between the Olympic events from here on out so we can make sure there is the proper funding, there is the proper safety protocols in place, that we're choosing a location not based on a lack of Olympic event, but actually because they can sustain an event like the Olympics? Because Let's be 
real cut and dry here. Brazil has had budget shortfalls add up exponentially. By the way, their only testing labs for any sort of drug testing for any of these athletes were all suspended. So I don't know that it's necessarily encouraging, but it's not discouraging athletes to go ahead and dope up before they perform in Brazil because there's nobody that's going to be able to test them to say otherwise. They can't afford the police. Rio de Janeiro is literally in a state of emergency right now. To me, I think that it's crazy for us as Americans to say, all right, let's ship up all of our best athletes, our most famous people within our country, throw them all in one area where we can't have any police. There's riots on the streets on a daily basis. There's terror threats being made. And we're just supposed to sit back and say, "Okay, let's turn on CBS and watch the Olympics, kids. I don't want to watch that kind of live TV. I don't want to watch that kind of tape TV. And I feel like I'm being super negative in this show. But do I have to be? Are sports that negative right now? Because I'm feeling so defeated with all of the stuff happening within the NFL, with all of the stuff happening within the Olympics, with this dumpster fire that is the Detroit Tigers right now. I'm sitting back and shaking my head and going, where is the positives within sports right now? I'll tell you where they are. They're in the Detroit Pistons and what has happened with this summer league. I looked at some of the highlights this morning while I was on my break at work. And I could not be more excited for the regular season. And I know I talked about it on the first episode of the First Lady podcast here. But what's going to be happening with Ish Smith? What's going to be happening with John Lohr? What's happening with these guys that are playing in Summer League right now? We are going to see potentially a major, major upswing in what we have been seeing from the Pistons in the last few years. And I've said it. I've got all the faith in the world in Stan Van Gundy. But when you see the numbers that these guys are putting up in the summer league, and I'm going to tweet out a link to one of the really awesome articles I saw on Twitter. There was a local writer that broke down some of these crazy plays and grabbed all of the video highlights. And it is something that will give you goosebumps every single time you watch it. So I am so ready for basketball season. I'm ready for the Tigers to hopefully pull their heads out of their rear ends and finish the season strong. And I am ready for sports to finally give me a little bit of positivity. And on that note... I'm not going to call it positive, but I am going to call it funny because Mr. Dwayne Wade has had his name in the news recently. And if you want to know why, it's because of this little book that's potentially coming out. And it's written by his ex-girlfriend and all of the mistresses that supposedly were coming in and out. His ex-wife, excuse me, his ex-wife, Dwayne Wade, who recently left the Miami Heat, now in the Chicago Bulls, is not in the news because of what he's doing within the NBA is not in the news because of this crazy shift he's made after this long career within Miami. It's because of his ex-wife's book. Going back to my initial conversation, why do these women feel the need to go ahead and get all of this media attention? I don't understand it. His ex-wife is writing a book about how living in Miami with Dwayne Wade was like living in a $4 million prison. Her words verbatim. Okay. Now, I have not lived in Dwayne Wade's home. I do not know what was happening within Dwayne Wade's home. But... There were players allegedly within the Miami Heat who texted said ex-wife and said, you should really come down to the arena and just have a fair right in front of him because he's definitely doing it to you. Right in front of your eyes, you don't realize that some of your friends, some of your family members are getting in on this. And she said she finally had her last straw when a woman called her cell phone in the middle of the night while Dwayne was gone and described the underwear he was wearing that day to prove she had slept with this woman's husband. Okay. Now, again, as a woman who's been through certain issues in my life, I can kind of empathize with girlfriend wanting to write a little tell all and throw your guy under the bus for what he's done. But 
can we really take something like this seriously? This is the levity in my week is seeing something like this. Because as Dwayne Wade, you got to be sitting back laughing going, tell it, girl. Tell how many lays I have had in the last 10 years. Tell all the tale that I've been pulling. Tell all the things I've been doing because it's not stopping me. I already lost my girl. You're gone. It's not going to stop me from getting any more chicks because the chicks that are willing to sleep with me at the bars aren't going to care about your tell-all book. Go ahead. Let everybody know what a Mac Daddy I am. Does this chick really think she's going to sell books as the ex-wife of Dwayne Wade? Because nobody really cares. I, in my opinion who Dwayne Wade has or has not slept with. I just assume that every professional athlete sleeps around. I think that's sort of assumed within most of the players' wives because I'll go ahead and tell this little story. Within my time in Arizona, I spent a lot of time in locker rooms dealing with players. I also spent a lot of time in the stands in the family sections. So when I'm sitting next to the wife of a professional Major League Baseball player and she proceeds to look me in the eyes and ask me which one of the players I'm dating... I had no problem telling her that I wasn't there as a player's wife, girlfriend, sister, anybody. I was there because I was given these free tickets by the league and this was the only open seats they had that down. She looked me in the eyes and said, oh, good. I'm so relieved. And I said, why? And she said, because these guys are dogs. And I looked at her and I said, well, then why do you stay? And she said, well, I shouldn't say I'm relieved because I kind of knew what I was signing up for. And she proceeded to tell me how this person that she was married to is married to, to this day, had an arrangement with her that said, if you stay home, you take care of my children, you keep my house clean, I'll go ahead and do what I want to do. And when I'm gone, I get to do what I want to do. I get to go sleep with who I want. I get to go play around, have fun, as long as I keep it hush, hush, and I don't get it in the media. And you stay at home and you be a good little hobby housewife. And when I have to have my press conferences, you're there with the babies on your hip, smiling and happy. I'll pay for whatever you want. You'll have whatever house you want. You can drive whatever car you want, whatever kind of ring size, baby. You got it. It's yours. I'm yours. Oh, baby, oh, baby. Just let me go have my fun during the season. And she said, okay. So to this day, they have that arrangement. And as long as he does not, quote, bring anything home to her family to potentially risk her life, i.e. a sexually transmitted disease, go have fun. Wrap it up. Don't want to hear about it. Don't want to have any children knocking on my door 18 years from now saying, hi, daddy, go have fun. And I think that that would have to be on a certain level, some sort of an understanding when you're dealing with professional athletes. And I'm not making excuses, but when you know that that sort of culture is promoted within locker rooms and you're dealing with a lifestyle that is not conducive to hosting a normal functioning relationship, it's going to be a hell of a lot more tempting to do something like that. So I'm not buying into this whole Dwayne Wade ex-wife acting like the victim here because you know, as a wife of a professional athlete to a certain level There is a lot of temptation and there's going to be a lot of women throwing themselves at you. So do you really think that she sat back and was just thinking that he was going back to his hotel room every single night and everything was hunky-dory, kiss-kiss, smooch-smooch, in bed by 10 p.m. and back at the court the next day? Absolutely not. There's no chance. I'm not buying the book. I'm not buying into the story that she's the victim here. I fully believe that at least to a certain extent, she had to know what was happening with Dwayne Wade, just like every other athlete's wife, girlfriend has to know that at least if they're not being 100% faithful, that the temptation is not there to not be faithful every single day. And you have to trust your man to then not act on those things. But I know if someone was throwing pizza at my face 50 times a day, I'm going to grab at least one slice here or there. And that's all I'm saying. We're going to take one more quick break. And when we come back, I've got some really hilarious stories that have happened around the league, some stories from within Detroit. That's next. 
And while we took our break, I happened to see an article that's breaking right now. Speaking of Ezekiel Elliott, there are people coming forward now that say they know what happened between Ezekiel Elliott and his girlfriend. So as this is now breaking, I'm going to kind of read a little bit coming from this article that I'm seeing on Deadspin, because as we know, Instagram pictures were posted of bruises on Tiffany Thompson, the girlfriend of Cowboys player Ezekiel Elliott, were posted earlier today. It was posted saying, just for every woman out there getting abused, it's time to put a stop to it. Now, she was describing being thrown across the room by her arms, thrown into walls, choked to the point that she was gasping for air, and she didn't specifically accuse her boyfriend, but she tagged him in the second post, which was the pictures of her arms. Okay, now. I had said earlier in this podcast, I think this is all for attention. I think this is attention seeking. I said that if this truly happened, she wouldn't have posted it on Instagram. She would have called 911. And now I am grateful to say that I'm eating my words because apparently the police reported that there was a 911 call and then there was calls from Elliot's camp. So both sides of the party were involved in this. I am so happy to hear this because if this truly was a domestic violence situation, she had the wherewithal to take the right steps. But playing devil's advocate, that does not necessarily mean that there truly was a domestic violence situation. So at some point, the 911 call allegedly came in with a woman saying that she wanted an officer to come by and she had wanted to wait till tomorrow when her boyfriend left to report it, but she changed her mind. Her boyfriend was, quote, doing it for the past five days. This is all according to deadspin.com in the article that they just posted from their insiders. So the first police report allegedly said that Thompson had said that Elliot, Ezekiel Elliott had beat her. And Ezekiel Elliott said that the bruises were from a bar fight that she got in. Now, Thompson had lived with Elliott for the past three months within that year when this first came out, because apparently this is not breaking for the first time. But then Ezekiel Elliott was saying, she doesn't pay me for rent. There was all this drama. She doesn't live with me. You can't prove it. All these other things. He's saying he didn't hit her. But both of those police reports end with police referring to the case to some prosecutors, but no charges were filed. Both police reports say that photos were taken, but what those photos are of is still not clear. One of them says DV photos. The other says photographs of the injury and the scene. And so Columbus police are saying they can't release any of this stuff. It's still ongoing investigations. But from the sounds of it, there is now another source saying that Elliot broke off the relationship and alleged that the victim said that she would ruin him if he did. And that's where these accusations are coming from. Mike Leslie tweets out, high-ranking cowboy source says that Ezekiel Elliott has messages saved on his phone proving his ex-girlfriend is trying to set him up. Rich Eisen Show tweets, Michael Irvin tells us he's texted and spoke with Ezekiel Elliott. Ezekiel Elliott says he knows women in relationships at the end and the truth will all come out. Now, in these police reports, she is alleging she was a, quote, sex slave for Ezekiel Elliott. She's making very strong accusations towards Ezekiel Elliott. And I don't have time to go into all the verbiage of these police reports, but here is what I'm going to tell you all. This is not the end of Ezekiel Elliott as far as the story goes. Whether Miss Thompson is telling the truth or whether she's lying, we are going to hear about this for many weeks to come. And it's going to bring up those tough questions that we've been asking about Ray Rice. At what point does the league have to step in? At what point do we wait for the law to step in and do their thing? If they don't step in, does the league then have to pick up the slack? Should these players of professional sports have to go through counseling before it's even an issue? Should we host seminars to bring awareness to domestic violence issues, child abuse issues, drug abuse issues? Or should we just say, let them do what they want to do if they can perform and be the athletes that we all expect them to be? Great. 
If they can't, then we'll deal with it. I don't really know what to do with it at this point because I'm completely overwhelmed with the amount of news that has come out in the last week around these sports stories. I can't get over it. Fans, anything to say for this? Tweet me at Detroit Jenna because I'm at a loss. I'm at a loss because we're seeing it within the NFL. We're seeing it within Major League Baseball. And I mentioned the stories last week with Anthony Ghost and all the times that the MLB Major League Baseball has just turned their heads to all of the issues within their league and didn't step in. And so I feel like I should give Roger Goodell a little bit of kudos here because at least he's trying. But where's everybody else in this? When is somebody going to step up and say enough is enough? I don't have the answers, but I hope that I start getting them soon. And I really hope that Ezekiel Elliott turns this around and can hopefully continue his career within the Cowboys one way or another. We got one more quick one for you here on the First Lady Podcast. I am Jenna Jones, and I had mentioned how excited I am for the Summer League and what's going on with the Pistons. And who went down to go check out some of this Summer League madness? Mr. Tobias Harris. And what was he doing besides watching the game? He was playing freaking Pokemon. There's pictures that are being tweeted out of him on the sidelines taking pictures of him catching Pokemon and things like that. And it made me laugh because I recently had a little run in with Pokemon myself. And I feel like I have to talk about this Pokemon craze because everybody is playing Pokemon Go right now. My brother got me hooked on it. I was playing it. I was having lots of fun playing it until one day I was sitting on my couch with my brother and we get a phone call from my dad and he puts him on speakerphone. My brother puts him on speakerphone. And my dad starts talking to my brother something about some level thing, and he doesn't know how he's going to get through, and he can't find... I'm like, what is dad talking about? It's like, Pokemon Go. Dad plays Pokemon Go? Well, yeah, he's playing Pokemon Go, and he's kicking your ass. He's already a level 17, level 12. Get with it. So good on Tobias Harris for getting down there and playing some Pokemon Go, because if my dad's playing Pokemon Go, I'm sorry, but I think I'm going to have to dip out of this little battle. I hope that I can continue to see people going out and playing sports and being active outside, outside of Pokemon Go, because as my friend Michael so affectionately calls them, the Poke Zombies, I'm so sick of driving down the road and watching for pedestrians to be crossing the middle of the street to catch these Pokemon. But good on Tobias Harris for going down and supporting the Pistons and everything that they're doing down there with this summer league, because as I had mentioned, the stats speak for themselves. Go check them out. I am tweeting the link today so you can see it today and tomorrow on my Twitter page at Detroit Jenna. And and I'm sure it will be deleted by the Detroit, deleted, retweeted by Detroit Sports Podcast. So you can check that out as well. Thank you so much for joining this week, Detroit. We're going to wrap it up here. And I hope you all have a great rest of your weekend.